Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group. Glad to have you all here in for a treat today. Going to get our hands on some data and picking up from last week, be looking at Benford's Law. This was new to me. Our good friend Isaac at MCR Labs brought this up as an interesting tool that we could perhaps use, a statistical tool. Did a bit of research. It looks promising. Got some great statisticians behind it. And so wanted to share with you what I've learned, how we can apply it to some data and get your thoughts about moving the ball forward. That's the plan for today. But just to go ahead and, you know, give five minutes, let everybody say, you know, what you may hope to get out of the group. I'm going to start in reverse order today. That way, our, our new friend here, Christina, doesn't have to be put on the spot. Candice, excited to see you today. Love the hat. Would love to hear about your adventures in the past week. If you were able to get any data science work done and what you're looking forward to in the coming weeks to finish off the year strong. Well, that's that's a that's a doozy. So, yes, yeah, so I'm going to be um, working on parsing a new lab and um, also to uh, I, I I'm going to be a. Uh, uh, putting up my presentations, my plots uh, with Seaborn, and, uh, and I've been checking out two the YouTube videos that you posted, Keegan. That's really great. I did get to Florida, and um, I did uh, go to Canada MD, and so I'm renewed. It was pretty interesting. I was talking to my doctor about some of the things that I was learning with MCR Labs and Jeff Hawson over at Harvard. We had an interesting discussion. And um, but he also gave me uh, some good leads too for uh, some good flower in Florida. And because uh, it's kind of interesting that uh, you know I joined some user groups and actually somebody broke open a uh, a, a fresh uh, product from the state of Florida, and uh, they showed me pictures. I have copies of the pictures. It has mold in it. You know, it's like visible. Like you can like pull it apart. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, but anyway. So I'm going to be getting some COAs from Florida also. Well, it's not fantastic, but it's quite interesting to hear you on the ground in Florida telling it how it is. And mold is an interesting thing because from being in the laboratory, and in fact, we'll look at this today. Not all analyses are taken as seriously as others. Unfortunately, coming at it in an economics lens, people have to prioritize. And a lot of the priority goes towards measuring cannabinoids really, really accurately. And tests like micro detection, mycotoxin screening, that may get pushed to the back burner. However, from seeing some of the unintended consequences, one thing that is a little concerning to me is that some large-scale cultivators are seeing this as a cost, which I pointed out that it was a, a while back, right? You have to factor in the probability that you may fail a test, and that's a, a cost. And if you don't factor it in, you could run into the red with your business. However, some of the large cultivators are thinking, okay, how can we prevent failing, say, microbe testing? And there are various treatments out there. As we know with a lot of things, you know, how well studied are some of these things? And so just to be to be frank, some of the ones going from 
from least concerning to more concerning pressure oxygen deprivation perhaps to treating the product with ozone and then candace i think you mentioned at one point radiation and those are the ones that are slightly more concerning to me while they may be say chemically sound i don't know i just wouldn't wouldn't mind a bit further research myself so that can be an unintended consequence of mandated microbe testing. But as Candice, you pointed out, mold is a thing, right? And no one wants moldy cannabis flower. A consumer may want a reasonable expectation that their products won't have mold in them. So what yeah. to do about that? I forget the name of it, the disease, but it's like some type of disease that I think people get in agriculture and from breathing in mold, I'll have to nail it down. You know, I mean, it's a new industry and it's awesome. Cannabis is amazing, right? Compared to big pharma and people can really get off a lot of drugs, Keegan, right? And uh, with cannabis, but then also too, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, they really do need, I think they need transparency. We need open data sets in Florida and Massachusetts. That's what we need. So that the watchdogs, right can help keep an eye on the system like jeff hawson says right well the federal government right the fda do we really we us kids in the states we need to play good and be transparent and have the data out there so that the federal government doesn't turn around and turn it into tobacco or you know because it's funny because like my first review with pure leaf that's still up there a year ago talks about how i'm getting this nice organic cannabis and stuff right and wow what i've learned right because that's really how it's sold to us patients you know and um and i get it because i was kind of doing the same thing you know that review is still up there i don't know it, it's it's just so cool just to know right to just be aware of you know possible health uh problems and then too, I don't know how they would fix that because, uh, you know, what I was seeing in that picture looked just like uh, I, when I put the predator mites on the, uh, for my spider mites that somehow came in on my hydrogen peroxide clone, right? You've raised a couple good points that have sparked a couple thoughts, but before I get to those. Anyway, I'm, I'm taking the floor. Oh, yeah. We'll get back to you, Candice. I just wanted to let Isaac chime in. Wouldn't mind hearing your thoughts on this, this uh, micro yeah, issue. Uh, I just want to add something uh, from the lab perspective. I mean, well, each state all require an array of testing, right? Heavy metal, uh, uh, east mode, and other bacteria. And But I can attest that uh, east mode is among one of the most challenging essays for our clients to pass, even if they are huge dispensaries. I would say at least half of them uh, do uh, struggle with the issue. So it's uh, I'm not surprised that you're finding uh, uh, flowers with literally visible molds on them. I mean, that uh, I've heard that happen uh, from time to time. And also from another perspective uh, is the health of the worker. If the growing room is contaminated by uh, mold or some kind of bacteria, uh, the workers are at risk of getting respiratory diseases. As a matter of fact, uh, last year, there is a uh, worker in one of the dispensaries, unfortunately passed away and the investigation is still ongoing, but uh, the direction is toward the link between the mold contamination in their grow room and her unfortunate passing away. So it's it's also to the uh, workers in the industry. 
or Christina, are you, you going to chime in before I ramble on? Um, I guess what concerns me, this it's about concerns, right? Because what concerns me is that um, some of the strains are getting contaminated. I don't know if by chemicals or another strand that kind of, it doesn't go well with the strand. Like if um, I were to buy an ACDC, right? And it's not completely clean. The strain for me, it's very important because I have epilepsy and terpene, terpenes, they matter to me because one terpene can make a big change in my, um, my body, you know, and I don't want to get a seizure because of a strand being contaminated. And um, mm -hmm. um, I live in Seattle, in like the Seattle area, and there's this little shop where I bought um, a strand and it was indeed contaminated. I got, I started to see like weird things and it was just not a fun moment. So like, I don't know if that's common or not. You're spot on in, in the right place because this is a, the exact topic at hand that we're talking about in that when you go to a retailer, what are they going to be selling to you? They're going to have the, the strains labeled, oh, ACDC or this or that. Um, and then they may have some of the chemical compositions labeled. You've learned that, okay, ACDC works well for you. And what we're trying to do is tie some of these real life situations with the data. And the best lead that we have is why is ACDC effective for you? Perhaps it has to, something to do with the unique chemical composition of ACDC. So we want to get a nice measure of those chemicals because we're so at the frontier, essentially no one consuming cannabis, except for maybe a, a small minority of people, actually know the milligrams of various chemical compounds that they're ingesting. Luckily, you're in Seattle, so there are good testing laboratories in Washington State. And so what you may want to do, and in fact, in Washington State, it is required that you may want to ask for the certificate of analysis when you when you purchase a product. Then you can keep track of the chemicals that you're ingesting. It would be awesome if the product was tested for terpenes. That's not required, but some people do test their products for terpenes. That that's kind of concerning. Concerning aren't the the product supposed to already come with the terpenes is if that's what I'm actually purchasing. Well, you raise a awesome point that wasn't really taken into consideration until late in the game. So long story short, when cannabis was first legalized, right? So it was permitted in Washington state back in 2012. And so originally people were thinking, what are the main psychoactive components? Those are going to be THC, and CBD. Well, since 2012, it's been a decade, 10 years of scientific research, people have discovered more and more compounds, and it's looking like other compounds may have some significance, right? Maybe not all of them, right? Maybe chlorophyll may not necessarily have a good or a bad effect, but people are discovering, oh, there's beta curiophily. And these also may have effects. Last comment, and then I'll let Isaac jump in. And I was just going to say certain states are starting to realize that we may also want to measure terpenes. I think Oklahoma, they're mandated. 
it was sort of an unusual mandate, but they are uh, tested there. And before I keep uh, talking, I would love to get Isaac, uh, love to, to hear what you have to say. Uh, yeah, thanks. I just want to add that uh, experience like GG4, uh, because cannabis has been underground for such a long time and the breedings are all very messy and, and, and it's almost impossible to trace that to the original gene. So there are a lot of dispensaries or uh, seed banks they can claim that their flower is GG4 or if it's blue dream. But they're really we don't really have a reference or a standard or a certification. Okay, this is the GG for phenotype. I've actually done similar analysis of uh, uh, using uh, principal component analysis just to plot all, for example, all the GG4s we receive from different growers and they do appear uh, tribal. So uh, one client's award, one uh, dispensary's GG4 is likely to be different from another client's. That's uh, very difficult for consumers like you to know exactly what, what you're purchasing. And I think this leads naturally to what Kagan was talking about, to measure or to get exact chemical profile of a string and then using this more scientific categorization rather than relying on a name, which at the moment any seed bank can claim that their seed is this string, but they might not. I'll just keep piggybacking on that in that, let's say strain name's the best we have. It's a far, far from perfect tool, but like you said, it's at least getting you on the right track. So, okay, ACDC, the strain appears to have a certain effect for you. And from my understanding of this strain, that it could even be a, what's called a type two or where it's a, almost an equal THC to CBD ratio. It's very or, equal. Exactly. So I think there could quite easily be something going on with the, the unique chemical composition of that. We're, we're still, we're working on this. We're going to get to the bottom of this because as Isaac said, and it's real peculiar because there's a real disconnect between say the laboratories and the breeders. And maybe there's not as much disconnect as one may think um it may it may be more of a show all the breeders right isaac said so if you're the breeders are selling their seeds by strain name and this is something that i wanted to get into what maybe this week but it, it was looking like next week's going to be the week is actually looking at some of the the seed vendors and looking at their history because there's a really really cool history there um, and all of these strain names have cool histories, but they're kind of names. And as Isaac was saying, they're not set in stone, right? Anyone can grow any weed, uh, any cannabis plant and, and call it ACDC. So that's the trouble behind it. The interesting part is perhaps there is a variety that tends to have equal distributions of THC and CBD. Perhaps people kind of want to call that ACDC. At the end of the day, I think what you want to be concerned about is what you're ingesting. And, and those will be the, uh, the chemical compounds. You may actually end up finding another strain. Um, so for example, you know, there's canatonic or this or that. Yeah, um, I like that, canatonic. Exactly. That also have a similar chemical composition. That was with some of the work we were doing earlier this summer with product recommendations, 
we're saying, oh, you know, if you gravitate towards this one strain, then you may just want to find a strain that's as chemically similar as possible. Okay. It's imperfect, but at the moment it's, you know, the best we can do until we can get better hold of this data, you know, get it into your hands, let you start learning about what works well for you. It'll be a slow process, but hopefully there'll be a, a feedback loop where, you know, maybe certain growers will start growing specific cultivars with specific chemical compositions. And then the retailers know how to label this to, yeah. to get it to you to get the, the intended effect. Yeah, I have one more question. Well, I have a, a bunch of questions. But on that, I'm looking for new strands. I know there's one um, called Corazon, and that's from Yerba Buena Farms up in Oregon. And one of the uh, parent strains, uh, strains is um, ACDC, and the other strain is unknown. Um, there's not a lot like um, research done to it yet, but is there a way that you guys have connections as to how to look for these strains that are not well established yet? Like, I want to get a hold of this strain, but I don't know how. Right. So I just sent in the chat the best uh, kind of genetic uh, website that I have, uh, give that a try. Like go directly to the website and request it there? Uh, no, the website is like a, a database. So you can search for different strains and see their histories if that's uh, part of oh, the archive. Well, what's the website called? Uh, I would love uh, it. Thank it's, you. It's uh, en.seedfinder.eu. Perfect. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's not the most uh, polished looking website, but it has a wealth of information that overwhelms everyone that uh, is on. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll look into that. Thank you. I'll make sure to, to come back to this, Christina, since this, this is interesting. I'll try to just run through this super, super fast uh, for Isaac while, while you're here. Just wanted to, to share... This book came in uh, the mail, Hemp Diseases and Pests. So this is a, an old one. It's interesting, right? So right, the consumers are often concerned about effects, but the cultivators are often concerned about diseases. And cannabis is plagued by many diseases. So, you know, these molds are a real concern. They're of a top concern to cultivators. I think we'll want to, to talk more about that. I'll, I'll run through this super, super fast. Last week, Isaac brought up Benford's Law, which is basically when you look at data sets, coincidentally, and it, it's not necessarily coincidentally, I think it's a statistical phenomena, different digits occur at certain probabilities. Um, and they follow a certain distribution. Um, so here's the distribution, you know, one it will appear around 30% of the time. We don't have to get too much into the math, but you're, you're welcome to. So this was noted way back in the 1800s and then really made concrete in the early 1900s by Frank Benford. So I'll let you read about this. His main contribution was getting many different data sets and analyzing all these different data sets. That made me think of the Cannabis Data Science Group, how we're getting many different data sets and applying statistics to them. Okay, what's going to be required for this? We actually want a wide range of 
numbers. If you have a narrow range, it's going to be difficult to show this. So, so we'll just kind of point that out now. And then what are some, uh, some cool applications of this? If you don't know him, Hal Varian is a famous economist, statistician, and he was the one who put forward that this could potentially be used to detect fraud. Isaac pointed out potential well, not potentially, there are cases of laboratory fraud in the cannabis industry, and we would want some mechanism for detecting if a lab result is fraudulent or perhaps if it's probable that it's fraudulent. Just from reading the rest of this, my main takeaway is that this is a good mechanism to know what looks suspect and where you may want to look further but I don't know if it's definitive proof, but I think it can be a useful tool about where you may want to look further. The last thing I wanted to point out, we actually are running into the problem. Uh, actually, here, I'll point this. I'll, I'll uh, talk more about this here, here momentarily. So that's Benford's law in a nutshell. Different digits appear at different frequencies and if digits don't appear at that frequency, then one may be suspect as to the underlying distribution that's generating the data. So there may not be a nice random underlying generation. But this is my really, really crude first take. So Isaac, please feel free to correct me at any point. But I want to go ahead and get through this data to go ahead and kind of get you out of here on time. So long story short, we have lab results from Washington State in 2022, 1.6 million compounds were measured. So for example, what does a compound look like? This was somebody who tested for microbes. This sample actually failed um, for microbes, it looks like. We were interested in, say, total THC. Here is the distribution of THC in cannabis flower in 2022. And this is the phenomena that Isaac was pointing out in that presumably this mode is flower samples, and it doesn't appear perfectly normally distributed, and it perhaps may even be skewed towards above 20%. I think there's, there's better examples of this, but, um, but that's sort of a claim. Just to look at a couple more analytes, there's the distribution of CBD. Here is your distribution of moisture content. And this is more applicable in other states where lab results are corrected for moisture content. I'm not certain if they are in Washington state or not. You're really looking for anomalies or non-normal distributions at this stage. And one thing I'd like to point out is you've got this curious mode at 10. And so it looks like, for whatever reason, some laboratory may just be reporting just 10 for their moisture content, whereas other labs may be a bit more granular. And then water activity, this is sort of a measure of shelf stability. And curious thing here is, right, the limit is 0.65. And this may just be just how the distribution shook out. But, you know, one may kind of wonder if, you know, things are kind of being 
you know, slid under or the 0.65 limit. But once again, as far as the dis distribution goes, it's looks fairly normal. Now, quick application of Benford's law. Benford's law requires us to span at least a 10-digit range. So we could do it with THC, but it would be tough. We wouldn't meet the assumptions required for Benford's law with the other analytes. I don't know if this is acceptable, but what I did was I, I just grabbed the first decimal place. For example, if you look at THC, you'll see most people are reporting whole numbers. So zero is going to occur a lot. And then I was also just looking at the first decimal place here. Once again, I, this is sort of my quick and dirty attempt at this. I don't know if this is um, an acceptable way to implement Benford's law. But if you look at the digit occurrences one through nine, you do curiously see the decreasing probability of digits. It doesn't look like you know they decrease in probability at quite the same rate as Benford observed, but it is interesting that you, you see this distribution. Because if you look at some of the other analytes, well, check out CBD. CBD diminishes at even further rate. I think this is a first interesting observation, is that THC and CBD, for whatever reason, have different distributions of digits, but they are both are, are diminishing which is interesting. If you look at moisture content, you'll see almost a uniform distribution. So if every digit occurs at the same probability, that would be called a uniform distribution. And it would essentially imply that the results are random. I don't know what's going on with moisture content, but this looks like it requires further investigation because it almost just looks like people are just randomly selecting moisture content or at least the data generation process may be we may need to think further about the data generation process and then even more curiously with water activity once again this could just be something about the data generation process it could just be something unique to cannabis flower but once again you don't observe benford's law with the digits. You see the digits increasing in probability to four and then decreasing in probability. Once again, this may be a, a violation of Benford's law. So whereas THC and CBD, which we, curiously we thought, oh, maybe those would be the ones that were more likely to be falsified. Cu curiously, and I kind of brought this up at the beginning that people are putting such great focus into measuring THC and CBD then maybe they actually are measuring THC and CBD well, and maybe little emphasis is put on moisture and water activity, and they may just be just writing down random numbers. And when a human writes down a random number, then the digits won't follow Benford's law. Um, so, th so that was just curious, but that was the analysis of Benford's law. This is a start, and I would just like to point out that you may need to take the log 
of these numbers. So, so that's a downside. And as I pointed out, I'm using the first decimal place, and that's also perhaps imperfect. But I thought this was curious, so I'll, I'll kind of let people think about that. What if this is actually one lab that's just doing this? But if you look at all the different laboratories, they all sort of have this weird pattern for water activity. The long story short is I don't think it's a specific laboratory that is doing this. It appears that all of the laboratories are experiencing this phenomenon. Awesome. So this is total THC by laboratory in Washington state in 2022. And as you can see, this appears to be the flower mode, and this would be the concentrate mode. I'll just point out what I find interesting. So, okay, lab 10, lab 11 look quite similar. You know, lab 2907 is interesting in that they're the only laboratory that has a triple mode. So they've got a mode around, say, 50%. So maybe they do a lot of keef or bubble hash testing. That's a possibility. I'm just kind of curious. Then lab 2908, they have a similar distribution. Lab 2909, it looks like they do significantly fewer concentrate tests. There's only a small tail down here. Nothing's actually jumping out at me about 2911. Those are pretty normal distributions, right? Um, they're, they're different, right? And so these would be the different, this is actually a good um, example of two different normal distributions with different moments. If you cut this into two different distributions, you know, this distribution may have a larger variance. It's going to have what's called greater kurtosis, so fatter tails, probably. The thing that jumps out to me about 2912 is that maybe their mean of concentrates may be slightly higher. But as we said, there's nothing really consequential about having a different mean. It, there could be perfectly normal underlying explanations. So, for example, Perhaps there's a distillate maker and they simply love to use this laboratory. So that could easily just explain this concentrate tail. Whereas the bubble hash makers may prefer this laboratory. So there's just different underlying causes there. The final thing I wanted to point out here were not like pointing fingers, but I'm just explaining what cultivators may look at, and this may drive market dynamics as we discussed last time. Okay, so you've got two laboratories here, 2913, 2914. Well, what you can tell from these distributions are 2913 appears to have a wider variance in flower, and their mean appears to be slightly lower than the mean of 2914. So if you were a cultivator and you saw this data, right, you sent in your samples to all the different laboratories, well, at the end of the day, you're trying to sell your cannabis flower. And if you've no, they may have noticed that cannabis with the higher THC sells at greater rates. And so if they were comparing these two laboratories, they would say, oh, you know, this laboratory lo looks like on average we may have higher results 
and we have a lower variance on average you know and with lower variance our thc may test higher at this laboratory once again there could be other underlying mechanisms here as we discussed uh, the different clients using the different labs. If that were the case, then you may see people leave laboratory 2913, go and use lab 2914. Over time, more and more people use lab 2914, and the methods kind of standardize toward, towards this. So that's sort of the, the concern about lab shopping is that, you know, any lab with a slightly different variance as we'll show later, these may actually be surprisingly in the same ballpark. So as you can see, the lab that tests the most samples, you know, has a mean of 22.26 and a variance of around 21. So you could do a difference in means test between all these different laboratories and see if any of them have, you know, statistically different means. But as I said, that's not really going to take you too, too far. Um, and in fact, there could be perfectly good explanations for this. So for example, you know, lab 11, they're only testing almost 200 samples, um, level of magnitude different. So lab 10, their mean is significantly different. You know, perhaps they just have an entirely different type of clientele. So that's what's going on with THC just wanted to point out the other compounds for you real quick because it helps to look at a bunch of different distributions. The distribution in CBD by laboratory. 2907 has a really, really wide distribution. So here's an interesting one. So this one is you know not quite a normal or logarithmic distribution. If you were this laboratory, you know, you may want, you may be looking at the other laboratories and think, oh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's something different going on with our method. However, lab 2913 also has this interesting distribution. Once again, this could just be something unique about the clientele of these two different laboratories. And then once again, lab 2914, is a really wide distribution of CBD. And so my takeaway from this is that, okay, let's say you were growing CBD rich flower. You may not want to use, you know, these laboratories that have a really wide distribution of CBD because it doesn't look like these may necessarily be accurate. Say, right, you've got 10 laboratories and, you know, eight of them are measuring in this manner. It appears that those may be the laboratories that have the, the more precise method. I'm not certain what's going on with, with those odd distributions. So you could ask the laboratory about it or pick one that has a slightly more normal distribution. That's how I would approach it. So here are moisture content values by laboratory. And as you can see, they're actually all over the place. They're at least different. They're quite different distributions from lab to lab. And I think this is something interesting to point out in that we may have been quite critical about the THC and CBD ratios, but everything's relative. So we were just looking at those analytes. So yes, the distributions may have looked slightly different, but they're all generally in the same ballpark, similar looking distributions. They started to look a little different for CBD, but good sign for measuring cannabinoids. However, 
when you look at say moisture content it looks like the laboratories are fundamentally just testing differently right so you've got uh, lab 10 lab 11 lab 2907 is measuring moisture more on this end of the distribution uh, or or on this end of the scale same for 2908 then lab 2909 you've got this really peculiar distribution at a, a different scale really than 2908 lab 2910 looks slightly different than the the other ones it's the most similar to lab 10 it looks like then lab 2911 is is pretty similar to 2910 2912 has what appears to be you know the the most normal of distributions however it does have a you know a, a skewed tail here that's a little interesting and then 2913 you see a slightly a slightly uh, peculiar distribution and uh, only ever slightly uh, but it's uh, similar i would say to 2912 and that except for this oddity and then 2914 is once again it's kind of similar but it also has oddities around this end of the distribution what this would indicate to me is you know maybe there's something going on with labs 2913 and 2914 how their method is testing above 10 percent moisture and once again, there may not be anything nefarious about this. It just maybe they may have their instruments calibrated at a certain part of the scale. And so they may just need to, oh, maybe we just need to look at how our method is testing moisture content above 10%. Similarly, other labs may say, oh, maybe we're you know structurally testing moisture differently. So maybe the laboratories can come to a consensus on what the appropriate method to, to test moisture is. And they can all have their own proprietary takes, but it wouldn't hurt to, for them to at least agree upon, you know, around like what scale of, of this moisture thing should be on. Um, because it looks like these labs think moisture should be measured in this manner. And then these labs think that moisture should be me measured in this manner. We'll just look at the last one just to be complete. And that would be water activity. And it's measured in peculiar units. Uh, on a scale of zero to one, it's measured in AW. So here is water activity. They're not perfectly normal distributions. I was going to say they're not uh, that bizarre. Um, I guess what, what jumps out. Okay, so right off the bat, 2907 is slightly lower. 2909 has a peculiar double mode. 2910, that's a pretty normal distribution, just really, really wide tails, high variance, probably high kurtosis. Nothing wrong with that. That may just be how moisture is in cannabis. Here's 2911, slightly less variance, a bit more of a skew. 2912, quite skewed, and they're mean looks sim more similar to 2907 and then once again 2913 and 2914 are slightly different and so if you look at them as a whole they're not wildly all over the place but they are slightly different on first sight 
they appear to be more different than the THC distributions. That's subjective, but that's my take. Once again, you've got to weigh the costs and benefits. Obviously, people care most about the psychoactive compounds, the THC and the CBD. But as you pointed out at the beginning, you do need to be concerned about the shelf life of these products, right? You don't want things molding on the shelf. We'll get more into microbes and mycotoxins. We have those results, so we can look more at those. But I think uh, the takeaway from today is, you know, Washington State may actually be doing a fairly good job at measuring THC and CBD. And they may simply need to relook at some of the more minor tests like moisture content and water activity, because those are the ones that actually look anomalous versus versus just the, the THC and the CBD. You know, maybe they can, they can get around to it now that they're stabilizing their cannabinoid method. So that's sort of my big takeaway from the day. Remember, we've seen all the the peculiar plots, and now you see the THC again by laboratory. And once again, this laboratory has a peculiar mode in the middle. Maybe there's a perfectly good explanation for that. And then once again, the mode that we're the most concerned about that as far as fraud goes would just be the THC mode. And from looking at all the other modes, yes, there may be slight variances in in variance and mean, but they're generally in the same ballpark. But as we've pointed out, small differences matter. I don't think this is the end of this analysis, but I think this was a interesting take on the data. Well, I'll let you in on the future work that needs to be done. We're looking at the traceability data in Washington State. And so this was our first take on looking at the laboratory results. We still have to get to all the inventory, the strains, the sales, Mm -hmm. a lot more data to crunch. And as you were pointing out, it's awesome having this open data. Well, you need good people, good data scientists to actually crunch the numbers. And this is golden data that's just been sitting around in the open. And I haven't seen anyone do a really, really thorough analysis of it. And that's exactly why the cannabis data science team and Canlytics are here. So over the coming weeks, let's put our minds together, organize, curate, and analyze this data because it's just sitting there ripe for us. I think we can answer many cool, interesting questions with it. So let's embark. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Sounds awesome. You know, I was just like looking at my whiteboard because I happen to have like the, uh, all the fields and files for the ERD I was going to do for Washington State that's still on my whiteboard been there since last winter but we you do so much you know we're it's so that's great we're coming back to that because there is a lot of data in washington state there certainly is you know how we are we're the tortoise so it may have been a year but this data no one else has looked at it so that's sort of what's crazy (laughs) right it's been almost a whole year and no one's looked at this data because it's such a daunting task and in fact I was reading a really interesting article, and I'll have to share it with you, that was making the point that's where a lot of people stop. 
is they stop in the data curation phase. People have really cool ideas for apps and they're building all this shiny software, but a lot of it requires data, data that's been carefully curated and cleaned. And that's what us awesome data scientists are here to do and help out is if we can get this data cleaned and organized, then it unlocks an incredible amount of potential, simply a daunting task, but it's not hard, it's dirty. And that's why I like to compare our work to that of a plumber. And that's why you're, you pay a plumber a decent amount. It's dirty, unglamorous work that no one wants to do. And we'll roll up our sleeve, grab the plunger and go at it. So we're gonna go grab the data plunger and get everything unclogged and flowing smoothly. And so all this awesome traceability data that's sitting there right in front of us, we'll get that flowing nicely into people's hands. No, it's, it's great. And, and uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you once again for your eyes, your ears, your brilliant minds. It's you that really moved the ball forward. Thank you for helping advance cannabis science. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you.